So welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. Today we are wrapping up season three with our final episode, episode 13. And we are joined by Patsy and Noella Steinauer from Sadly Cree Nation. Um, and I'm gonna just open up the floor to each of you just to share with our listeners who you are. So we'll start with you, Noella. Tansi, get the thumbs my name is uh, Noella Steinhauer. I'm from Sad Lake Cree Nation. And I'm currently, uh, I currently teach in the Faculty of Education across the river. So hi, hi, I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. Gakio uh, out there um, and here too. I thank you so much for um, inviting me here and Novella together. Patsy Steiner and Sigason, Oni's Kupunin Sinia. My parents are Walter, late Walter Steinhauer and Genevieve Steinhauer. I um, was raised in my community and um, I have a, a, a daughter, a 15 year old soon-to-be 16-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son, soon-to-be 14. I um, really, really honor that uh, that need to be a mother, especially since my, my children's father is no longer here. Uh, he passed away two years ago. Um, so yeah, we try to honor that cultural knowing of that in Inupak um, knowledge that is there for them. So I was thinking about that this morning um, for them. So yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for um, the protocol and, uh, and this invitation. I'm really honored to be here because I've heard other podcasts and uh, really am happy to be here. So, mm. hi, hi. Mm. Thank you for that. I <clears throat> Just for to give some context, we usually kind of make our connections as well with some of our um, our, our folks that we invite and, and to our listeners, actually, uh, the, I went to Sad Lake High School uh, when Noella and Patsy were teachers there. And so, you know, you could tell everybody what a great, <laughs> what a great student I was. <laughs> tell them, tell let them. them. Let them all know. <laughs> Just, uh, was I a bad kid? Or <laughs> <laughs> Which, this one probably fought all the time, eh? <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, not even. That's awesome. Um, and I guess, you know, one of the things is that, um, you know, I've always, I've seen you as, as role models in my own life. You know, being in the school, I was, you know, in Sad Lake in grade nine, grade, I think it was grade nine. And, um, and the kindness that you both shared. And I re that's what I remember. It wasn't necessarily the the curriculum or what I was learning in class. It was it was the kindness that I felt and the love that I felt from mm. each of you. And that has always stayed with me, always. And and you know, and then you guys obviously have gone off and and are now working with the University of Alberta. And I still admire, you know, each of your the work that you are doing mm. in such a genuine way that that speaks to our connection to who we are as Indigenous women, um, but in leadership, in 
ensuring that we are remaining rooted in our culture and our ceremony. Um, and so you're both just such an inspiration for me, and I just wanted to share that today. They will fit my head. <laughs> and you know, and maybe that's a maybe that's a good place to start. And while you were speaking, Terry, I thought about when I first started working within uh, my first teaching gig was at the University of Calgary with the Faculty of Social Work, and that was nine years ago. And I was, you know, I was fairly young. I was a, a, a younger, oh, the res trucks are just driving by, water trucks. <laughs> Can you hear the water trucks in the back? stuck in the mud. But I remember being, a, you know, a young scholar is, is what I was referred to as. And, and I remember we were sitting together, myself and Auntie Leona and, and uh, Ralph was there and, and a few others and we were sitting there and I had offered some protocol and we were lifting, she was lifting pipe uh, in that, uh, for the opening of, of some research. And, and it's interesting cause I, um, I had asked, you know, for specific things there. And one of the things that uh, Auntie Leona prayed for, for me, was that I didn't get lost, that I didn't get lost in the system and that I stayed, true to who I am as Neheawasko and to my roots and to my, my family's roots and my grandmother and all of the, everything that makes me Neheawasko. And she asked for that. And I'll never forget that prayer because it came from love. It came from pure love. And so I think about what Terry just said about both of you and your roles in this world and how Leona prayed for me that day and so I think my question to you both is, how have you maintained that integrity of being Neheoa school throughout, you know, teaching at Sad Lake to now where you're at, you know, uh, within, huh, within a big institution that um, often will ask us to be something different. Mm -hmm. And so how have you maintained who you are throughout all of that? <laughs> They're pointing at each other no. with their lips. For those of you who can't, I have to honor my big sister. She has to. Go. <laughs> She's just gonna copy me. No, um, I don't know if I've ever really had to question that mm. because it's who you are, and I was lucky. I was raised by, especially my father's belief system um, was you always had to do the right thing and he always left that decision making up to you. He mm. gave you, he gave you kind guidance like, you know, this is the way you should, you know, might go, but it was always up to you. Mm. And he led us by showing us, mm -hmm. you know, this is what I would do. This is, or this is how I would do it. Mm. Um, he made us at very, both my parents made us decision makers at really young ages. Mm. We were always all involved in family decision making. I remember one time we got a new van and we all, we all got, they brought the van home and they said, you know what? We're gonna buy this new van 
mm. but only if you think we should. Hmm. And they said, you all get in. And so we all got in and they said, you know what, we're going to buy this. What do you think? So we're all sitting, of course, the kids are admiring. <laughs> he says, because you know what, if we buy this, I remember that time, it was $6,287. <laughs> and he said, we won't be able, because we had went on a big trip about two years before to Vancouver. He said, we won't be able to do that for a long time. And we decided on it. Hmm. We decided, all of us decided, everyone got a voice. And no one was right or wrong. Hmm. And I think just that. Mm -hmm. um, so he always supported our decisions, no matter. He didn't say, oh, you're wrong and I'm against that. He'd say, oh, okay. Remember, it's it's up to you. It's no, it, my girl, it's okay. It's up to you. Um, so it was always up to us. And so I don't think that idea of integrity was really um, something we ever I ever had to. Because even if I... I, uh, I I didn't have to do it for um, that big thing, the, the money or the mm -hmm. glory or anything that wasn't, that was never anything. He always said it was really, it's really up to you what you want to do. Mm -hmm. I quit school when I was 16, but it only lasted a day. Because <clears throat> I realized, holy man, I'm going to have to be here. I'll have to either work at the store or run a little farm and... I thought I could get away with it and I'd feed cows and whatever and be done by noon. Holy man, 4.30 in the afternoon, I was just getting into the house all frozen and everything. So I went back to school the next day, but it was, it was up to me and I made that decision. So that's how I kind of lived. And sometimes, you know, even if I made a bad decision, I didn't feel bad for it. Because he never made he they never he never made us feel bad for it. So it was really about doing the best for not only for yourself but thinking also of your family. Mm -hmm. Like what is how good is this for all of us? Mm. So it was demonstrated and it was lived. And so I've never really had to uh, mm -hmm. try to compromise. Sometimes I go okay, uh, I'm at a, a a decision point and. It was never really, really ever very different. It was nothing I ever really had to compromise yeah. on. So, yeah, yeah. I'll leave some. I'll leave some talking time for her. Just say ditto. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's um, for me, like if it were to be kind of um, summarized, it would be service, being of service, mm -hmm. and uh, and understanding humility, the notion of humility. In a, in a deeper way hmm. um, so so it'd be um, hum humility and service kind of go hand in hand to me so it's more about um, recognizing your duty to serve given whatever the circumstance and, mm -hmm. and a good example is yesterday we had a, a leadership team meeting and it was on change and then um, a, a presenter came and um, all the faculty women leadership were invited and I just wondered, why is it being framed from a loss perspective? Hmm. And, uh, and I remember having to say in that, that you know, even notions like of, of, of something that they may have heard, like Agamemnon, that, that even though it is despite those, you wouldn't assess an inventory every challenge you have. You would, you would already position yourself from a, a place of, um, 
an orientation or situatedness that that will will understand you come from greatness and therefore you you do your duty hmm. to, to doing that too and that informs or um, strengthens your your service hmm. so service is the big one and I want to say getting back to Terry's uh, point is um, like it was such a joy to be teachers in the community and it was something that I never had to be paid for because I, I thought they allow me to be around these <laughs> and be paid <laughs> always to have some fun times in, in, in Sad Lake. That was the best times was to be home mm. and to be with the young students because the service there was um, was going to rewarded you back tenfold. And I don't know that whole symbiosis, so that symbiotic relationship of, of, of service because mm -hmm. it's, it's really, service is something bigger for us. Mm -hmm. And it's never in where it's, it's, it's you assess it as okay well I come and there's all these challenges it's it's not it's like we wouldn't position ourselves as Nihil thinkers to to mm -hmm. position ourselves immediately in loss hmm. um, or in some kind of a deficit right mm -hmm. we want to be where we are we we stand strong and ready and each day is that day for new change so um, mm -hmm. or this notion of creating our our unfolding yeah Okay. There's um, an article that I often, I teach undergrads and graduate students, and I always use this one seminal article by a guy named uh, uh, the Canada's first uh, in, uh, First Nation psychiatrist. His name was Claire Brandt from Tyendinaga. And he talked about uh, First Nations people. He wrote from that context. He said, I can't speak for everyone because our communities are indigenous. Hmm. Our First Nations communities are so diverse. Hmm. But he talked about these principles, these ethics. And one of the big ethics is called, uh, the, the, there's uh, non-interference, sharing, and there's a number of them. And this article was written in 1980, I think. Hmm. And it's hmm. still the only piece that has ever been written that captures everything it's like a four-page article but psychiatrists came to him and said to him um, you know these all these Indian people they're uh, you know passive aggressive they're all of these things and so deadly. he knew from the <laughs> they're deadly and they're really <laughs> and they're dysfunctional and yes. you know yeah. all of these things all those you know, places were always, mm -hmm. and so what he did is he wrote this article, and that article s sets up something that's really important to know, and even though it's so short, you can read into it, and then there's another, a book written by a lawyer called Dancing with a Ghost by Rupert Gross, mm -hmm. you know that book, mm -hmm. but it came because of this article, mm -hmm. and that ethic of non-interference it worked in the time and the, these ethics that we function for, with and about and how we live together were so that as the collective we would get along. Hmm. So we had to teach each other, we had to live uh, and be kind to each other, we had to avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. And so that repressed behavior comes can come out today because mm -hmm. you have to repress those feelings of being overjoyed or elated it or all that kind of stuff but it's different than that that's just how it was articulated but the ethic of non-interference 
is that whole idea of allowing kids to explore, allowing them to make their own decision, not giving advice. And when Rupert Gross wrote his book, he said, it's for the exa for example, if you go to a dinner party and you say to someone, I wanna plant a tree, he said, a, a First Nation person would say, oh, that's good, I'm happy for you, I, I'm glad. But he said, if you were non-Indigenous people, they're gonna suggest, oh, you should plant an apple tree because of this, or you should. So it's a two. It's very two very different ways of looking at the world, but how that translated into the classroom practices, kids are allowed to make their own decisions. So kids can say they're going to school or not. Huh. They can decide. I could decide if I, I decide I was going to quit school. Didn't work too good for me because I'd have to work too hard at home. <laughs> um, but it it in that that work great in a traditional context when they lived in, when we lived in those small communities but we translate those kinds of things in a present context they're a little bit mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. and that's only one of those ethics I mean yeah. this is only a half an hour show <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding go ahead I my ass how much time you have <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> go as long as you want it's the last episode yeah four hours <laughs> Volume one. <laughs> a critical, critical, central thing I think that guides anything I do, and that's my own like research is um, discovering how important our language is and mm -hmm. how much um, guidance and if, how much it teaches us or how much we can we can, it it, it uh, holds for us to understand hmm. or guide us. Hmm. So everything is in the language, mm -hmm. and I think that uh, we access those points through through our own systems that the language tells us how to. So um, it's really interesting because in terms of teaching, we get so confused into what is content um, or knowledge and knowing and then understanding. So my good friend Manu Meyer talks about those three points of knowledge, knowing and understanding because we get so lost in this textual society of just text and one dimensional, two dimensional collapsed thinking. And then we have to orient ourselves and our voice from that very collapsed space. And then we're told, well, can you tell us the indigenous perspective? <laughs> um, yeah, if you wanna understand that's gonna have to go beyond the dimensions of this two dimensional reality we're gonna mm -hmm. frame it in. So, and no one wants to hear that. That's not, that's not, the, um, that's not the desired outcome that's needed for, again, the problem that's defined in the two-dimensional reality. So it's, it's really, um, it's, it's, it's like that two-world seeing, or that some Hawaiians call it eight eyes, seeing with eight eyes, but we only have in our regular world the two. So it's, 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 um, it's a challenge, and when it comes back to your question about <coughs> what sustains you, hmm. I think it's those really, fundamental realities that I'll call um, ceremony, not necessarily ritual, but ceremony. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. recognizing that everywhere in what we do, um, we honor that, uh, that notion of ceremony. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting <clears throat> because we, have, we were having um, supper before this, but we were having a conversation in regards to uh, a meeting that Amber and I had today. <laughs> um, and you know, and, and you're both sharing this um, 
and, and validating, I think, for us too. Like we, we felt it and we knew it, but we earlier today um, turned down a contract uh, to write something that <clears throat> was being asked of us to change, to fit within uh, a Western, in our eyes, a Western context to some extent. Um, and it didn't sit right with us, you know, and, and we knew that right away that this was something that um, we couldn't or we wouldn't change um, because it shifted uh, our own, you know, understanding, our own beliefs, and uh, it just didn't sit well with us. And again, like, I think oftentimes we're asked to fit our stuff into this box. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so important that we have to always remind ourselves too that that's, that's not who we are. Or even <clears throat> like what you were saying about um, that quick, give it to me quick, and that instant gratification. And uh, do you remember when we, we did another episode with um, George Desjardins? And he spoke about going out to Elder Rick Lightning's home, eh? And, and he talks about it on the podcast and he says that, you know, he went to go seeking something and, and uh, he. That said, wasn't in the podcast. Oh, it was on our McEwen. That was for the McEwen stories, the spirit bear dialogue. I maybe. Oh, was I, did we not talk about that? <laughs> that was after the podcast. Oh, <laughs> but no, sure. sure. Okay. Here I'm just like, oh yeah, we shared this already. Well, I'm it's sorry, like, George. On some, on, some, on some kind of yeah. Well, and 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 I won't give all the details, but but uh, our friend he went to go and see uh, an elder, and and when he went to go see that elder. He went asking for something, and that elder uh, had, uh, you know, and, and, and our friend George stayed. He stayed overnight, and the elder went back and saw him. He said, oh, you're still here? <laughs> and he said, yes, I came here seeking, you know, something. And the point that he made was, you know, many of us, uh, and, and, and within, our own, within our own communities as well, but many times we want that quick, give it to me quick, that drive-through knowledge, that you know, instant mm -hmm. gratification, tell me the stories, I want the stories right now. And uh, without having to yeah. earn the responsibility and the rights that come with that, right? And so I think just you saying that just reminded me of that, yeah. of, of that, um, you know, of that. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I was just thinking about that. There's this real interesting dichotomy or this really interesting relationship, and we were discussing this with my daughter's um, teacher and the principal out at Muskochis. Um, I'm sending her to Muskochis Outreach because I want her, and it's the first time the pandemic has really been a welcome thing for me, by the way, <laughs> because it's letting us shift and challenge our own conditioned ways of what we've been forced to practice mm -hmm. as educators. So we're letting, getting that chance now to do yes. these things. So, so when I was out there, I said, I bring my daughter here because I have that opportunity for her to engage with, you know, um, out there is like uh, late Walter Lightning's yeah. brother, William Lightning, that's her pre-teacher. Oh. So they get all this like knowledge. And I said, even for her to sit in the energy space, that's far more than um, mm. a city classroom where she'll be given opposite um, internalized feelings. And they might not be intentional, but they'll be yeah. internalized. So then what happens to somebody like that is they go to be educated and they have these internalized feelings. And I, I was thinking of this today and it brought me back and when you were talking about late Vince Steinhauer earlier, mm -hmm. I thought of, 
of, of something he had said so important, but I wasn't at the place yet with what he was talking about. It was at the MOU signing, and it was a really historic time. Mm -hmm. And I went, and I remember sitting, and um, Chief Willie Littlechild was moderating, and they're gonna vote, and the Muscat Chiefs, Chiefs, four of them came, and then they had everyone. So it looked like this vote was either or, and they just needed a, a four chiefs to, to be for it, and collectively the Muscat Chiefs said yes, we're for the MOU. But just prior to that voting, late Vince, who had happened to be sitting at our table, he reeled up and he just said, I want you to think about the children in this, in, for, for the future of them and our future as Nihio people. And then uh, they said, well, you're not a chief, you'll have to leave this table. So he left and he wheeled back. And then the voting was gonna happen after some more moderation and formalities. So he went back up and this is something that still guides me every day, every day. This, this is what he said. He, he went up and even though he was not allowed to speak and he was told not to, he still spoke. He said, I just have one question. I want to ask you before you vote, in that Alberta curriculum, or the social studies curriculum, because he's a former educator. He had said, um, it says in there you're becoming, they're developing a citizen. And I want you to think, as you sign this MOU, a citizen of where? So we think we have local control. So in this meeting, the technicality of protecting treaty rights was to not let those to be at, to be at any stake or loss. So those were protected because they were written there. But what was being infiltrated was the thousand hours of language. Thousand, yeah, thousand hours of language arts, mathematics. So all the Western thought patterns were now reassured by signing this MOU. So we, we, we have to think about how we're preparing children. And, and like somewhere like the center, it's so important to validate what has been conditioned and decondition yeah. those things because because it doesn't come from a curriculum it's it's got to be a feeling from where that that fire becomes brighter and I think that like here where my daughter's at at school um, I it doesn't matter if it was 50 hours instead of the thousand hours I don't know what's the difference as an educator I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but there's times where and I can be really radical and well invited to those talks but <laughs> it's it's hard for me to be an educator and a parent who has yeah. the duty the dual duty to ensure like we can say we have to make sure we mean that yeah. and we have to really think of how we unfold that and bring that into practice so for me it's it's those kinds of things that we have to know that yes that visiting this visiting is important uh, rather than reading, I don't know, a textbook or some literature paper that we now have to put together for a tenure package that <coughs> to become a tenured <sighs> faculty member. So it's like, <laughs> oh. yes. Yeah, so anyways, that's that's it. That's the last I'll say. I think one of the other things is, you know that saying, it's the best of times and the worst of times? Hmm. Um, it's the best of times in that you know, we we get to be at some of these tables. Sometimes we're the only brownie at that table. <laughs> that's okay. At least we can say something and um, and we're persistent. We'll say it again and again and sometimes we'll be heard and uh -huh. sometimes, most of the time we won't be, but we still keep saying it uh -huh. because we have a responsibility uh -huh. 
-huh. You do this because you're responsible to the community. You don't do this for yourself because you want to be famous, even though you are. We are. You are. You are. And we don't go to, to university. We don't go to, like I remember when I was a, a graduate student first time, we didn't, we were there for our communities. Uh -huh. We weren't there yes. because we needed that degree Degrees. behind our names or those letters. We were there because of our communities. Mm -hmm. And those people who had that protest at Blue Quills in 1970, uh -huh. that was their dream. That was their dream that we would be sitting around here and we would be able to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. I say it's the worst of times also because it's a big responsibility, mm -hmm. but also we have to be very careful of how we get there mm -hmm. and who and how we're guided there. Mm -hmm. And we've got <clears throat> these new voices sometimes speaking on our behalf who aren't, you know, are, who aren't as committed to that sense of community and the mm -hmm. people as, as mm -hmm. many of us are. Mm -hmm. um, we have to do, even something like, you know, we have to go through all these tri-council things and ethics when we have to do our, our research. And the, you know, they're pretty rigorous, but the rigorous nature of that, those ethics when we collect our data and we analyze it are even greater yeah. because we don't only have to answer to our communities and the people we're working mm -hmm. with we're a part of that community we see those people at ceremony mm -hmm. we're related to some of them or we're, we're connected to some of them that's and and there's not only that earthly responsibility there's those that mm -hmm. spiritual responsibility so we have all of these other things we're responsible for. Mm -hmm. So when I say we're at the best of times, that's why we're the, this is the, a good time. We've got people and we had a, a professor, a late Lionel Kanua, who told us, you know, your, your, your uh, next, the next stage is for you to be the translator. Boy, that's a hard job because mm -hmm. we have to walk in. Our people told us we have to, we have to get educated so we can walk between the two worlds. Huh. Well, we, we, we got there, but now we have to do the work. And, um, you know, people want to hear us. Huh. So we have to continue to assert that. We have to continue. So that, good, that question you had right at the beginning, how do you maintain that? Um, it's without question that we do it. Huh. We do it. We do it out of love for our people, for our communities. And... Um, that's just the way it's, it's a way of being it's a part of who we are and so um, I remember someone said well what do you do how do you make kids how, what, what do you do with kids I don't know how do you like make kids like school I said you just make them happy huh. make them want to be there uh -huh. because it's uh -huh. up to them whether or not they're going to be there we had so much fun when, uh, in junior high and high school as Patsy said I could have been there and still enjoy. I, I still love junior high to the, the very day. I still teach grade eight. Um, but it's because they respected me and I respected them. Yeah. And I learned as much as I learned from them all the time. Mm -hmm. I learned about kindness. I learned about making them happy. Mm. They learned about making me happy. Mm. My favorite thing is my, 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 um, my, um, the way I discipline students 
if they got me upset, I'd say, I'm not ready to talk to you right now. <laughs> you do that to a junior high kid is worse than if you chastise them and say, you're in trouble and you're going to stay. You do that to an Indian kid? I'm not ready to talk to you right now. And they'd say, can I talk this to you? This trauma triggers. Yeah. I'm not ready to talk to you. I, I never raised my voice with my kids. You know what? I'm not ready to talk to you right now. I'm still kind of upset. Make it more dramatic. I'm still kind of upset. Can I talk to you at lunchtime? Oh, come talk to me at lunchtime. I'm not ready yet. <laughs> They're just devastated. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. And, um, but because it was there, I wanted them to take the time to think and to be responsible mm -hmm. young people. Mm -hmm. Because I respected them as a person. I didn't want to mm -hmm. humiliate them in front of people. <laughs> like just kill them oh. they just look at you from across the room real like just, just like, puppy, me. Puppy, puppy eyes and you go yeah so yeah i love those kids i love junior high they're the best kids in the world they're so funny <laughs> and i think that one of the really interesting things that you both said today and it's interesting that you say that service piece i um i sat with a student today and and that student asked me as part of uh, their practicum, they asked me a question about, uh, you know, what are some of the, um, what are some of the teachings? I don't remember how the question was asked around what, why I chose social work or why I, you know, why I came to this place of social work and education. And the first thing I said was that this is, this is my service. This is my duty. And, uh, and we've talked about this. Yeah about how we do what we do. Because um, trust me, there's not a lot of bucks, big bucks in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in social work or, uh, in, uh, or in, in, in scholarly work. There's not big bucks there, I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. But, um, and, and Sherry Chisholm said this to us in a, in a podcast episode. I got this one right. She said, we didn't inherit money. We inherited responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that both of you have, talked about that, about being of service to others. And we know that, you know, when we see uh, our ceremonies and there's always people, we're, we're, we are of service to the greater good, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that teaching and, and the roles that you carry in this world, not just as educators, but as, as people, as, as beings in this world, that you've demonstrated very clearly that you are, that, that you have a commitment to service, which I think is just, that's brilliant, you know, and so simple, <laughs> yeah. um, but brilliant. I think there's this really interesting, again, dynamic about, um, and a really good way to ask like um, non-Indigenous people is, is how did I get here? Because hmm. you start to recognize that you have, you have journeyed a very gratuitous path to reach here mm -hmm. and there you didn't get there alone mm. so in a for, from a non-indigenous perspective they could start to see yeah i how did i get here right now today right right here and you start to really recognize that it took a lot of effort of so many not yourself yeah. so so you only can only give back because of, if you can see how you got here you're gonna know that you have so much to pay back and because you can't give it directly back you give it forward so it's really mm -hmm. a good way to uh, to think about mm -hmm. how did i get here 
it's a, always a good one. And sometimes I can get really emotional. How did I get here? Um, because you think of your parents, you think mm. of your grandparents, you think of people you didn't even meet that got you here. Yeah. And uh, it's a really deep thought, but again, so simple. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> wow. I'm just, I'm just taking this all in and again, feeling, um, feeling inspired. I think that, you know, these are, this is the amazing thing. I think that me and Amber, uh, have been, uh, fortunate enough to experience in, you know, the past, what, 10 months mm -hmm. of, of doing these podcasts is that we get to sit with some uh, amazing people who mm -hmm. inspire us and, mm -hmm. and, and inspire our listeners and, mm -hmm. and also validate you know some of the struggles that again like through stories I was speaking in a meeting today about stories and the importance of stories and storytelling and how through our stories you know whether that is in our presentations or our lectures or our meetings um, that we are making those connections with one another through our stories that we are feeling something um, or seeing ourselves in someone else's story, that our stories are very much, um, you know, when you've shared your own stories here today, um, are an inspiration. Mm -hmm. and, and they 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 definitely, you know, validate um, that work, you know, that many Indigenous people are doing out there and, and mm -hmm. serving uh, our communities. Because as Amber mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm venturing into my PhD and I've questioned that. You know, of is is this? Why do I want to do this? What? Why am I doing this? You know, and, and really, it's again to ensure that um, I am doing work for our communities and you know our future young people and our my children and grandchildren and and there's so much uh, there's so much responsibility in in what I am showing them. You know, especially especially my girls, right? And what they see as 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 moving through this. Wish I would have done it young when I was younger, but uh, you know. Hey, it happens. Still kind of, I'm still kind of young. Unless you're still young. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Uh, oh boy, you know, I keep looking at. I don't even know what time we started. <laughs> Not a clue. Like a four-hour episode. Here we come. Um, and I think it. I think this is a good place for us to, you know, um, if we start thinking about, you know, concluding our conversation and and what are, you know, when we ask our we ask our guests often to think about, you know, messages that they really want to ensure, um, you know, our our because again our audience is pretty vast. We have a pretty big audience and. And we have uh, folks from all different diverse backgrounds that that uh, that tune in, and so if there's anything that you want to share um, in wrapping up our conversation that you feel is important uh, for the world to hear, because we're so famous, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. famous. I've never been called famous before. <laughs> My um, late, our late Muslim, Joe P. Cardinal. Mm. Um, he, he always used to say, it's just, it's about love. Hmm. Everything is about love. Sagito, when, you know, sagitok, loving each other and, you know, uh, um, and that, just that importance of being kind hmm. 
and loving to each other. He said, uh, you know, he fought the war and he'd always talk about how important it was to, to love. And, you know, he said he would, his, you know, people were dying and he'd hold these soldiers and it was always about telling them about their mother and how much they loved their mother oh, and their fam family. And, but just that whole idea about love and being kind mm. and respectful because um, we only have each other on this planet sure. <laughs> in, this, in this human form. Yeah. Um, and that's all we need to do because we it doesn't take uh, a whole lot of effort to be kind to someone. Yeah. It doesn't. It's harder to be mean. Hmm. And sometimes we wanna wanna <laughs> ring somebody's neck. <laughs> but just sometimes. Just sometimes. <laughs> just a little bit. Just sometimes. Name them. <laughs> Uh, we it, it's it's that it's love because that's a universal language hmm. the, you know and it's it it transcends everything yeah. mm -hmm. because of the way it makes us feel yeah. mm -hmm. and I mean how it makes our spirit feel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think the idea of um Believing, um, like Dabwe Gita Muin, is um, that idea to, for it to be, you have to believe in it. Um, but it's really about about this idea of of, um, of believing and and witnessing. So so, um, I think of uh, the things you do here at the center specifically, and how wise you are in your young womanhood to know um, the value of the of the wisdoms that are like Andre Bear. Wow, that was such a beautiful mm -hmm. conference you hosted. Um, these podcasts um, and the authenticity of, of the voices that lift and collectively link and connect people in the, in, I'll call it validation, but it's really in, in embracing Mm -hmm. um, each other but the beautiful part and my daughter was listening she was holy these girls sound like the res <laughs> <laughs> and I love it because we could have those conversations that aligned very academic because that's supposed to be the PhD right but I, I, I really honor that work you do um, because when in our day we couldn't we couldn't because yeah. we were forced to play that other game yeah. Yep. And um, now you're here, mm -hmm. and thank God you're here because this work is so important. So I really honor both of you as famous world known women. <laughs> yeah, res, res, yes, and res, resy woman, res, race, res, yes, res, yes. It's so, yeah, it's so good that um, that you know. That's I guess what I guess I honor. Mm -hmm. So it's beautiful when that messaging. Is not necessarily contently put out there mm. in a in a in a way that you preached it. Yeah. You mm. you're demonstrating it. Mm. So um, it's like those waves of, of of how you make space for the next waves that are coming. Like mm. I, I think of Tia Wood and mm. Andre Bear and those jigging oh, phenomenon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Know. But though that was amazing mm. and um, 
I was supposed to be my daughter just watching, but I had to watch it all day too. So I, I love the, the, the work. And that was just one of the things you do. So um, I think I'm more more happy when those, those this evidence-based practice or whatever you want to call it is you're demonstrating it. Hmm. And that's the only way it can be. And there's others like you, and there's always more space for more of you. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you to keep doing this work because it's so important, and you create and you affirm young people. Mm. Um, and by your voices, it lets young women know mm. that they can be you. Mm. And I thank you for that. Mm. It's it, you know it's it's um, it's really beautiful when we end these seasons because in what we've seen in at the end of every episode of every season is that when whoever we are speaking to so um, they always talk about you know sharing the last comments but they speak about love mm -hmm. every single yep. one yeah um, that when we've ended this this episode you know those final comments have come about the importance of love and and we started and they started they end that way and I and, and I and I shared that with you uh, both in in how you made me feel and and remembering that as as a young person in junior high remembering the love that I felt from both of you hmm. and and you know I think again like we we've talked about you know the law our natural law of love and and how you know we also need to see that you know often within these institutional spaces within the spaces that we are occupying within our policies mm -hmm. you know we don't think about love let's get into let's get into let's start another episode <laughs> and this one and this one and start another talking about policy <laughs> just get, get them worked up here <laughs> Again, I appreciate that that the language of love too, um, because I I end like I well I, I I talk to my adult students I say I love you, and and I ended like my final class on on Monday with my group of students and and, it, and for any of our students who are listening you know we know how uh, challenging this you know education has been uh, for many of us uh, for for that really missing that relational experience in the classroom you know and it's hard to replicate or duplicate that online but we try we try it and I was ending my class on Monday and I said I love you I love you all so much and you could just like see my and I know my students feel that you know and so it's important for our little ones it's important for our adults to experience love in the classroom too and, and I think that that's something that I was taught as a Blue Quills alumni. When I was in those classrooms at Blue Quills, I felt loved by my professors. Mm -hmm. Vincent scared the heck out of me, <laughs> but I know he loved me. Yes. You know, and I know that William Aguiar loves me, and I know that Leona loves me, and all those amazing people I had as my instructors at Blue Quills. How could I not do that? Mm -hmm wherever I go, because it was taught to me. It was role modeled to me. And I now have the choice to go into my classrooms and say, I love you, you know? Just go, don't go telling your exes. <laughs> I'm gonna call one right now. You guys I are talking you. about love. I'm gonna call all Just of them. <laughs> you 
things up all my ex. <laughs> uh, but thank you both. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your gifts and your stories with us. Uh, we love you. Bro. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point, frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny, preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids, can't taste clean water A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard, so we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors, anguish, lightning in our veins Hear it in a language when they are kitchen for the rain I am product of people that persevere, persecution Paint me so creator sees me, if I go out shooting Experience our pain, when our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.